Hallelujah. The Lord's faithful, isn't he? All the time, huh? Man, I tell you, we're having some church in here. It's like, do I need to really speak? I mean, this is like exciting stuff, you know what I mean? Just worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ and lifting him up. That's what it's all about. I was telling, the, I was a couple of weeks ago, we're celebrating her birthday over there. We were here on a Wednesday night uh, for uh, the prayer meeting, and I was honored to be able to be a part of that. Just an amazing time. But I was telling them that um, I grew up in Kenya, East Africa, for the first 12 years of my life. And uh, the church that uh, my parents started and that we were part of was called All Nations Gospel Church. So driving up here today, I thought, I'm coming, I'm coming home. So uh, it's good stuff. But, you know, there's an All Nations Gospel Church there in Nairobi, Kenya. It's seating about 1,400 every, every Sunday morning. And it's just amazing what God's doing uh, in the work there. So we, we give God all the glory. We give him all the glory, all the praise. He's worthy. Amen. He's worthy. It is so good to be here. My wife, Mary, if you would stand and uh, you can see my better half. This is it. This is it. This coming Saturday, the 26th, right? I've been married 45 years to that lady right there. Come on now. You better be praying for that lady. I'm telling you right now. That's an amazing thing. And we've got uh, two, uh, two grown children, uh, both married, and they've given us uh, seven grandchildren. So I know I don't look any older than like 30 or something like that, but I'm telling you, I got seven of them. I'm telling you, seven of them, all right? So it's amazing, uh, those little precious little grandchildren. I never knew I could love another child like my own, but I'm telling you right now, it's an amazing journey that we're on. So uh, we're really glad. Uh, I also am a part of a, a fellowship of... Um, of ministers and missionaries, and it's, an, it's a licensing, ordaining organization out of Rochester, New York area. It's called Elam Fellowship, and uh, they're all over the world, um, but uh, I'm privileged to just kind of represent the ministry in, in this area, and that's really kind of how I got to know uh, Pastor uh, Charlie Scruggs and Chad and so on, and I forget, Jonathan came that day and somebody else. We had a, a gathering here locally, and uh, they were able to come. And so the Lord knit our hearts together. You know, I've been on the, on the peninsula for uh, uh, just about 40 years. And it's amazing. Uh, I've, I've tracked your all's story from a distance, right, through different pastors that you've had, different leaders, and, uh, and friends. Uh, many of our friends have been friends of people here in the church. And it's just an amazing journey. And so finally to... To be here when Pastor Charlie, uh, uh, is that what you guys call him? What do you guys call him? You don't call him King, do you? Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. All, right. All right, yeah, so when Pastor, when he texted me um, uh, to ask me to come be a part of the, the service here, I was uh, extremely honored. And uh, so it's my joy to be with you and, and all that God's doing here in the church. You know, I love the church, the precious church. You know, the Bible says in Revelation that in the center of every church that calls on his name, there's a, there's a lampstand. I'm sure you've heard this before, but there's a lampstand, right? A lampstand that is the representative of his presence. A lampstand, right? A lamppost. And I love that, that in the center of this church at all nations, there's a lampstand of his very presence. Amen. And it's in every church that calls on his name. In every church, there's a lampstand. You, you read it in Revelation. 
you will see there's a lampstand that represents his presence. And anywhere that I've been in the world, it's amazing. I don't care what the language is, all right? I don't care what the color of the people are. There's a lampstand of his presence that is in every church. And so, and so just coming in today and being part with you all and worshiping with you, I realize that there is a lampstand of his presence right in this place. And we, as we lift up his name, uh, we get to rejoice and celebrate in his goodness of how he loves us and he has placed his presence right here. So what you're feeling today, right, if you're a guest here, or you're one of the home folks here, what you're feeling today is his very presence, right? Even as we went around and we're loving on each other and saying good morning and God bless you and, and so on, or, or oh, help me God, right? Whatever it is that you were saying to each other, the reality is, is that it's his presence. It's his presence. There's a beautiful word called koinonia, right? The word koinonia means fellowship around his presence. It's fellowship. But it's all, it's always, it always includes fellowship around his presence. And so I love the local church. It's an amazing thing. In the book of Acts chapter 2, you have uh, the Holy Spirit, Spirit being poured out on the, on the Jews there, right? This is when they came, the upper room experience and everything that God did there. You have that. You have a few chapters later in, in chapter 10. You have the, uh, in Cornelius's house, you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the Gentiles. Hey, that's us, all right? So that's us, all right? And so it's an amazing thing when you see how the Holy Spirit was poured out because the church is birthed in Acts chapter 2. When the, when the Holy Spirit comes and fills the upper room and they all were in one accord together, amazing time. And as they came out, they began to prophesy and speak in tongues and so on as they came out of that upper room. But it also happened there in Cornelius' house in chapter 10. So I love that. I love that even this morning as, as there was prayer going up, we were praying about, uh, in fact, if you have your Bible with you, uh, just go to John chapter 3 quickly with me here. John 3, just want to reference this with you all this morning. I'm still getting to my message, all right? So saddle up, all right? Still getting there. What time do we go to, like 4 o'clock? What time do we go to? Okay. I, I don't even know what time we go to, to tell you the truth. Just keep going. Okay, I like that. All right, I already like this church already. I like that. Because <clears throat> many times I speak with a translator, so you know it goes double long, so it's like crazy. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, you have this beautiful exchange, but you also have this confession. And it says in verse 33, uh, it says um, this, it says, For he, which was prayed this morning, for he must increase and I must decrease. Amen? So we live in a shipbuilding community, right? Where they build these massive ships, small ships, and so on. But this idea of displacement is a very, very interesting uh, um, scientific, as it were, engineering concept. And it's, this, it's that as a ship gets put into the water, right? As that ship goes into the water when they launch it, right? All this water goes somewhere else. If you ever looked on, on YouTube at all, ever, you, you see videos of how that, what that looks like. It's pretty interesting. But, but what happens is when that ship, when the massive size of that ship goes into the water, it displaces the water. Where, where does the water go? Because now the ship has now dropped into the water, and so all that water goes somewhere else. That's the concept here 
in John 3 is that as he increases, as the Holy Spirit increases in my life, so I decrease. Amen? So as he increases, what displaces from me are all my attitudes, right? All the things that I have hangups about, those things are displaced. So the more he increases, the more I decrease. You're with me, okay? He decreases, or I decrease because he is increasing within me. And so that's important, but I've, I've come to find something in my life that I realize that the enemy does not want me to allow the Holy Spirit to increase in me. And there are, there are obstacles that keep that, that sense of his presence being increased in me. In fact, in many ways, we are conditioned, aren't we, to think like the world around us. We're conditioned to get negative about everything, to become discouraged. We're conditioned to, to be critical and to judge and to look at things in, in, through our own eyes and put other things down because we know better. We're in that kind of a society right now. A lot of things that are going on. And it's really sad for me as I, as I watch it happening. I watch depression beginning to impact a lot of people. I work with, with pastors in different areas of, of our state. And I, I hear these reports and the depression that many of them find themselves in. The negativity. We're in a season right now as we come to this weekend. We've got Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving through the first of the year. You know, it's a very depressing time for many people in our country. They, they don't like the holidays like this. It's difficult. There's loss of family. There are loss of job. There's loss of family relationships. Things that have gone on that really cause that when they look, when they look ahead to, to these um, holiday festivals and celebration times, it, it's a real, there's a real negative point to them. And so they're, just, they're discouraged by that. I find myself, I remember one time in, uh, asking the Holy Spirit, leading my life as I was a young man and I came to a place where uh, I thought that the Lord wanted me to, uh, to go to this one college and to get this certain degree and so on. And, and I remember getting a letter saying that I wasn't going to be accepted into that program. And I remember driving away and just the discouragement that filled that little car that I was in and just filled me. And I realized that I had to come to a place, and as you guys sang that song, I think it was the second song this morning, Rejoice in the Lord Always. That began to become a theme song, learning how to rejoice when, when, when we are served bad things, as it were, difficult things from the world, but learning to, to put my trust in the Lord, right? It says of David that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God, didn't he? Amen? And so I want to just encourage you today, and I want to kind of deal with, and if you have your Bibles, I want, I'm going to land right here in Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And if you're taking some notes, I titled my thoughts here this morning, I titled them Wisdom at 34. Now, all of you know that anyone who's even near 34 doesn't have a whole lot of wisdom, all right? But I call it Wisdom at 34 because... Uh, it's chapter 34 here in the book of Psalms. Amen? We thank God for his word this morning. And whether your marriage is struggling, whether there's uh, rent money, whether there is um, relationship issues that are going on in your life, you, me, we can trust the Lord. Amen? Amen. We can trust him. 
And how do we deal with discouragement? Because remember, I want him to increase in me, right? So that I might what? I might decrease. But I realize there's this, there's this area of discouragement that tends to kind of keep its hand on me and try to keep me down. And so David is, is one here who, um, in fact, as he writes this psalm, Psalm 34, it's an interesting place in his life. You remember the story about King David, right? David's a young boy. Uh, he's out taking care of his dad's sheep. The prophet comes and the prophet comes to the house of, of Jesse, it says. He comes to Jesse, and, he, and, and the Lord had spoken to Samuel, and he said, the next king, remember who is king at this time? His name is Saul. Saul is the king. Saul has now done some things that God is not happy with, and he's going to deal with him. This actually is in, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, this story is told. And so you find... David, David is there, uh, uh, and he's out taking care of the sheep. He's, and so the prophet comes to Jesse's house, and he, he says, Jesse, line your boys up. And he lines them all up, and some are big, and you know, they're, they're farmer-type guys, they're big guys. And, and so Je, uh, Samuel walks in front of them, just asking the Holy Spirit, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And he goes all the way down the line, and he doesn't sense that any of these sons is the one that's going to be king. And so he looks at Jesse and he says, Jesse, do you have another son? Are there any more children anywhere? And of course, remember Jesse says, yeah, out in, the, out in the fields, I have a son. Name's David and he's taking care of the sheep. He said, well, bring him. So he brings him and when he comes, Samuel knows he will be king. So he anoints him and so on. An amazing story that happens. But here's the deal. God hasn't told Saul that David's going to be the next king. So Saul's going on. He has, he's, he's, he has a problem with evil spirits ministering to him. And, and so David comes and David learns how to play his harp. And it brings great peace to Saul. And so this kind of interesting relationship begins. And then the time comes where David hears. As he comes to bring some food to his brothers. He hears there's this guy named Goliath, this giant out there of the Philistines, and he is, he is mocking the children of God. He's laughing at the army of Israel. And David hears it, and no one really wants to go out there because Goliath is saying, hey, listen, I'll take one of you on. If he wins, we, the Philistines, we will serve you. But if I win, you, the Israelites, you will serve us. So no one wants to go out there and put their neck on the line. So sure enough, Everyone's sitting around, they're kind of waiting, but David shows up and David hears. And the Holy Spirit just ignites something in David's heart. And David says, I I'll go out there. I'm not going to wear Saul's armor. I'm not going to take anything. with. I'm going out there with these five little stones. My sling, I'm taking you on. And you know the story, he takes him down, cuts his head off and so on. An amazing uh, uh, act of power and courage and faith. And here's David, and David finds himself now, uh, Saul becoming jealous of David. And now he begins to, to kind of go after David. And he starts to try to, he, he's going to try to kill David now. This young man that has brought him great peace and joy, he's now going to try to go after him and take him out. 
So David starts to run, and David is going all over the, the kingdom there of Israel at the time. He's, he's trying to get away because he's running for his life. And it says in Scripture, it says that David, he wasn't sure where to go. And so this psalm gets written at a time where David actually goes to an enemy king. He goes to an, an enemy king whose name is Ach Ahish. I think is the way you pronounce it actually in, that, in Hebrew that way. But as we look at it, it looks like Ach Ahish. And so he goes to this king and, and, uh, and some of his servants begin to recognize, that's, that's David. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed ten thousands. And immediately David knows he's kind of getting exposed. So David at the gate of the city... He sits down there and he begins to act like a madman. Now, you can't make this stuff up. Right? This is the beautiful Bible telling us a story. David begins to act. It says he let his saliva come right down and run down his beard. And he started to say kind of weird things. And he sat right there. And, and the king sees him. Right? The king sees him and he's like, well, what's this? Something's wrong with him. He's, he's not going to hurt us at all. All the servants are looking, going, man, I don't know. You, this, this, is, this is that one. In fact, many years before, right, even with the Philistines, he took out Goliath. And so he looks at him there, and he's, he's like, and then, and then the king gets kind of an understanding. He goes, well, we don't want him here either. If he's wanted, I don't care if he's crazy or not, because he's acting like a crazy man. At this point, David takes off. David takes off and he goes to a place. It's called the Cave of Adullam. It's a cave outside of the, of the area that he was. He goes and he hides there. And the Bible says that many men who were distraught, discouraged, hurting, they all showed up at the cave. And this is where David and his mighty men, the story kind of, I'm not here to really tell you that story, but this is where that story begins with David and his mighty men. It, it is believed that this psalm is written in the cave of Adullam. He's just been made to look like a fool. He, he chose it. Here he is anointed to be king of Israel. Now he's being chased by Saul because Saul doesn't realize God actually has his hand on David. And he finds himself here by the gate of an enemy king looking crazy. He ends up in this cave and he writes this psalm. I share it with you because it's been a huge encouragement to me. It's helped me so many times at a low point in my life. Maybe there's a low point in your life and I trust that these words will be a help to you and a blessing to you that this fugitive David who finds himself in the cave writes these words that I believe are, are sort of a roadmap that we can follow in our lives as we follow Jesus Christ and we pursue him. Be because there's something inside David that will not back down. Now, he might feel a certain way, but there's something in his very spirit that rises up and will not, will not lay down to the world. And I think we need more of that in our world. Don't you, don't you agree with me? We need the Holy Spirit to so empower us, we will not back down from anything that is unrighteous in the world today. We need a righteous people 
If we are celebrating his presence and his lampstand in our midst here this morning, then we, we have to be a people who carry that message with us. We gotta take it outside these walls. This is where it works. It has to work outside these walls, amen? That's what this means for us. And so quickly walk with me here as we talk about what David does. Go with me here. In fact, you'll even see it at the top of your, your scripture there. It kind of tells, this is when he, his behavior was very weird because he was outside the, uh, the uh, uh, gate of the, of the enemy's camp. But God kept him. Verse one, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. This is verse two. Let the humble hear and be glad. Verse three, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. For I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all, didn't say some, it says all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for the reading of his word. Just a powerful word to us. But, but remember the setting where, where he has just been. He's now in a cave. There are different ones kind of coming to him. We heard you're here. We want to come and help. And they begin to gather with, with David. But David is in the cave. And he writes this psalm. How many of us at a time when we are at a low point in our lives, how many of us would write a psalm like this? You know? We're going to complain. You know, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to blame people who've, who've done us wrong. He doesn't do any of that, does he? When you read this, he doesn't say anything about Saul. He doesn't say anything about unfairness. He doesn't say anything about uh, uh, that he has been chased, you know, in a wrongful way. He doesn't say anything. He just declares the glory of who God is in his life. That's what he does. And my encouragement to you, and I challenge you this morning, that this needs to be the way that we take on the enemy. Amen? When we take on discouragement. Go with me here quickly. So verse 1 tells us, if you're writing any notes down, it says, open your mouth. One of the first things we must do is open our mouth and declare the greatness of our God. One way to deal with discouragement in our, in our lives is to declare the greatness of God. That's what he's doing here in verse 1 where he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His what? His praise shall sometimes continually be in my mouth. Even when it's not good. Even when you get a doctor's report and it's not good. Even when you hear about a family member who's gotten a, a negative doctor's report, he says continually, continually, his praise 
One of the first things that we, we must learn to do by his grace is learn to lift up his name and open our mouths and to declare God's greatness. This morning, the, uh, our worship leader, just was, they were, he was exhorting us, begin to thank God and, and come up with a list. What are the things that you're thanking God for? So many times uh, we, we find ourselves very, very discouraged because we, we think we don't have anything, but we have, our, we have breath, don't we? That's good news, isn't it? It's good news. The second thing that I see here, so the first one is open your mouth. The second thing that I see here is we have to learn how to humble ourselves. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble be here and be glad. Learn to put your boasting in something other than yourself. Put our boasting in the Lord. My God is great and greatly to be praised. Our focus is not on ourselves, amen? Our world wants us to be conditioned to think that everything is about us, right? Numero uno, eh? That's what the world wants us to think, is everything is about us. But it's not about us. It's about him, and it's about others. Romans chapter 15 says that Christ pleased not himself. Straight out of the word of God. Christ pleased not himself. How many of us find ourselves just wanting to please ourselves? Amen? What's, what's in it for me? Is it good? Is it bad? Right? How many of us are focused this way? It says here, the second point that I make in ver from verse 2 is he humbled himself. We must learn how to humble ourselves. It's interesting that in all the things that God does for us, one of the things that he doesn't do is humble us. We have to humble ourselves. Now, he can create the conditions where you will, but we humble ourselves before the Lord. Learning how to do that. I think that at a point of discouragement, the first thing is I must learn how to open my mouth and declare his greatness. Secondly, I must learn how to humble myself, to bring myself low and lift him high. You see, the way the world conditions us is to make us think as if everybody else is in the same boat that we are. But listen, you are a child of the king. Okay? In fact, lean over to the person next to you and say, you are a child of the king. Say it right to that person. Say, you are a child of a king, the king, amen? That's what we want to say to each other. De declare that to each other, right? Because that's important. You know, one of the things that my wife, uh, she, she begged me for quite a few years for, uh, she wanted to have a little dog at our house. And I, I didn't want to do that, right? I, had to, I actually had to bury one dog one time and I was just, I don't want to do this anymore. But she kept, you know, the tears, you know how that is, sad eyes, you know how that is, you know? And, um, you know, I don't want to be accused of being a bad, bad husband, okay? So, so the, the Lord opened the door, and we, and we got this dog. And um, this dog is a running machine. She's a little tall, got long legs, and this dog will run a deer down. It's just amazing to watch this dog. It's just, just amazing. We realized quickly we had a problem with the dog. We, uh, we went camping up, up uh, just up 64 here and, 
And um, we had just had her a little while. And, you know, she likes our grandkids, too. So that's good. All right. And she's really good with kids, all that kind of stuff. So, but I'll tell you what happened. We were all walking together and just kind of looking at things and do a little sightseeing up there in the woods and that kind of stuff. So my wife said, well, hey, can I just, let me just take the, the leash and let me just kind of, let me let it go. Because she's not going to go anywhere because all her best friends are right together. We thought. Okay. Famous last words. And we turned to look at something. And when we turned back, dog's gone. Dog's gone. 26 hours. I know every part of those woods. We searched. It rained that night. We searched. We searched. Finally, the next day, I said, honey, I'm getting ready to go home. And she's like, well, can I stay another night? You know, she's talking like that. I'm going to keep looking. As we were getting ready to kind of wrap things up and head on home, we heard a bark in another campsite just down from us. And she said, I, that sounds like our, do- our dog's named Reba. We, we didn't name her, all right? But it's Reba, like for Reba McIntyre. You know, all right. She don't know how to sing at all, all right? I'm just telling you. She can bark like crazy, all right? But, and she got red hair. That's true. She got red hair. And, uh, and so, she heard, so she went over there, and sure enough, it was Reba. Reba has returned. So we learned we have to do something. We did a lot of research. And there's a certain kind of collar you can buy. It's got a little box on it with a little battery. And we have a control. And if she does something we don't like, push a little button. Gets a little hit right here. Right here. It's, it's humane. We're not bad parents, okay? We got our four-legged daughter, all right? That's what I'm telling you, right? How it is. We have conditioned her. Now, she knows she can't go past a certain part of our yard. She knows she will come to a stop. I don't care if a motorcycle is driving by. And she sees that thing, she will take off. But she comes to a spot, she will stop right there. We have conditioned her to do what we want her to do. Even if the collar is not on her now, she doesn't go past any place in our yard. We don't want her to go. Isn't that interesting? That's how the enemy has conditioned us. Oh, I can't go to that place of victory in my life. I can't go to that place of victory because I've never had a good time over there. I've never been in that place. And as a result, I find myself, right, living in such a way where I live less than, not greater than. I find myself frustrated because am I able to break through those things? But like our our little dog, our dog will go to a spot and, and even though there's no line there, our dog knows it can't go past there. And there are people who love Jesus who unfortunately, even in their emotional lives, can't go past this point right here. They have been conditioned to think like Thank God David's not like this. Even though he's at a very low point in his life, he is declaring. He is saying, I'm opening my mouth to declare God's greatness. I am humbling myself so that I am not great, but God is great. Thirdly, David says in verse 3, he says, the important thing is to make Jesus great. 
Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Join me, he says, in magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what your worship team was doing here this morning. As they were worshiping, they were inviting us to worship with them as they worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We must worship him in the spirit. That's verse three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. How powerful that is to make Jesus great. Amen? The fourth thing that he says is, don't fear. He says that right there. In verse four, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Learning not to fear because our God has this. He's got your situation in his hands. Amen? He's in, he's in control. He's in control. That's so important to remember because Many times we find ourselves, and I'm, I'm telling you, we find ourselves conditioned. I see it in my life also. There are certain places that I, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, because the enemy has conditioned us to think we can't go there and live a life of victory, a life of blessing others and encouraging others and speaking a certain way. But we have to break through those things and realize that God is greater. Amen. And he counts and we don't in these situations. It says in verse 5, it says, those who look to him are radiant. How powerful that is. And he says, and, and those who, who look, and they shall never be ashamed, he says. I, I looked at that and I began to meditate on that verse. And I want to say to you, our face must always face the cross. You must see him. Today we had these songs beautifully sung that reminded us of the cross, that Jesus died in my place. He died in your place. He died so that you wouldn't have to be controlled by the conditioning of the world. He died so that you would break through because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And no weapon formed against you shall what? Shall prosper. That's the word of God. David, even though he's in a low place sitting in the cave as he writes this psalm, there's something inside of him that has a hold of the truth. Capital T, truth. He has control of that. He has a hold of that. As we face the cross, we see his blood. We see his blood. The beauty of that. The beauty of what that means. I came across a story uh, last year. I was down in, in Mexico. And, and uh, as I was getting ready to go down to be a part of, a, of, of a, one of our pastors down there. And he leads a large church. Some 30,000 people on a Sunday are in attendance in different ways. It's just amazing what God's doing. But um, there's a story told about a, one of their cities called Guadalajara. And there were some women that began to, to gather together years ago. And they, would, and they would pray and they would pray. And then breakthrough began. Things began to change in their city. And God began to do some new things. And when, when some people began to interview these ladies, um, they, they, the question was asked, what brings you the greatest victory in prayer? What brings you the greatest victory in prayer? I thought that was amazing. 
when that, with that question. And let me tell you what their answer was. And, and those of you that go, that come Wednesday nights, I want you to take this as something that really will bless you also. Amen? As you guys are praying together and praying for God's power to be manifest. But here's what those ladies said. They said, we pray until we smile. That's a good one, isn't it? That'll preach. We pray until we smile. You want to deal with discouragement? You better learn how to pray until you smile. Amen? When you smile, your face is radiant. Muscles are used that you don't normally use to make a smile. It takes more muscles to smile than it does to frown. So this is a powerful lesson for us to realize that David has found a secret here and it's causing him to allow the Holy Spirit to increase in him even though he's at a low place in his life. The world's trying to squeeze us into its mold to just keep us discouraged and downtrodden. But God is the strength of our lives. Our portion in our inheritance. Amen? I close by just giving you this last verse here, verse 8. Verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. My last point I titled, All In. All In. Where else do we have to turn? Remember the disciples, they got to a place, they were frustrated and they looked at, their, they looked at Jesus and Jesus says, well, you're going you're gonna to leave me too like everybody else is? And they said, Who, whom else do we have to turn to? Only you have the words of life. All in. David, although at a very, very low point of his life, you can read all about his accolades and all the things that he does. Amazing journey of King David. But this is a point where he's at a low point. But something inside of him is all in. No part-time, full-time. All in. Nothing, nothing is causing him to waver at this point. And then God, God takes these... Um, these distressed individuals and people that are coming to, to the cave and God takes them and makes them this massive, powerful army. Just amazing what they could do. Some of the men they could shoot, they, it says some of them, they, they could fight with a sword in the right hand or the left. They could do bow and arrow with right hand or left hand. That's pretty impressive. You read it. One guy holds a, holds a field, a field, he holds it, takes out, uh, uh, was a, wasn't a thousand men in that story. These are, these are the people that showed up at the cave. Because it wasn't just David that was in that cave. There was the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. That's what will bring change in our lives is when we realize it's not us who has the plan. It's Christ. It's his presence. When you find yourself at a low point, when you find yourself there, you must learn to grab the wisdom that's in chapter 34. Grab a hold of it. Let it just permeate with it inside of you so that you realize, man, God has a plan and God wants to do something through you, 
but especially in you. Amen? Say that to the person next to you. Say, God wants to do something inside of you. Amen? That's what he wants to do. He wants to do it inside of you. Hallelujah. Let me pray with you all today. Thank you, Lord. Spirit of God. In fact, right there where you're seated, just begin just to talk to the Lord. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Father, today I just thank you for the privilege of being here together with these awesome saints of yours that are making a difference right here in this community. And I pray that, Lord, that you would speak to each one of them. Lord, I lift up those today that are going through a time of discouragement, those that are hurting today. We lift up our brothers and sisters to you, Lord. We pray that you would minister to them in the awesome, mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that you would speak clearly to them, that you would encourage them today. Whatever they're facing, there is nothing that they are facing that is greater than you. And so I pray that, Lord, that the reality of their faith would come alive, Lord, even as it did with David. Lord, that he would look and realize that you are his help, his very present help in a time of trouble. And so I commit, Lord, each person to you today. I pray that you would bless them. You would encourage them. Hallelujah. You would encourage them, Lord, today in the name of Jesus. In fact, if you're here, you'd like just prayer quickly. If you're just uh, facing a, dis a discouraging time, I'm going to invite you quickly to come. I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for some people here. So if you would come, I want to pray for you, uh, if you would. If you're here, this is, if you're feeling discouraged, if there's something you're going through, just come quickly. I want to pray with you. If there's any prayer teams that are here to join us, amen. together.